Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Okay, everyone, I am so thrilled to jump into today's episode. You know, the past few months have been difficult for a lot of industries, and we've been living in a crazy market right now, uh, especially within real estate. You know, one common thread I keep hearing amongst my friends is how difficult the rental market is lately. And due to the growing cost of renting, I've heard more and more people discuss the pros of buying and more so investing in real estate. Now, that's a topic I didn't really know a lot about. So earlier this year, I had come across a real estate investor on Instagram who was offering tips and tricks on how to grow your money steadily so that you can invest in property. I was immediately interested in his story and the advice he was offering out because, like I said, I don't know much about real estate investing. So I decided to invite him onto the podcast to share his story and hopefully he'll resonate with you too. And with that being said, today's guest is Sean Pan, the real estate investor and the host of the We Love Real Estate podcast, who has been investing within the real estate industry since 2016, and he's garnered over a million followers across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube in the process. Together with his wife, Sharon, Sean co-founded Good Sweet Homes to help people become financially free through real estate. And today, Sean will be sharing some of his Investing 101 tips, which I personally found really helpful. And I'm just so excited for you to hear from him. And I hope, like me, maybe you learn a thing or two. So let's get into it. You know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Sean, like I said, I'm really thrilled to have you on. Um, I personally, I think, have so many, I don't know, curious questions about the real estate market and also your story and how you got involved in investing in real estate and what you do currently. You know, you help people achieve their financial dreams by investing in real estate. And I, I want to get in the nitty gritty on how you got involved with that and how you've built it into your career and your social media presence and the advice you give for others. But before we get into that, how are you? And if you wouldn't mind sharing where in the States you are. Yeah, Catherine, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, doing great, actually. Uh, right now we live in Dallas, Texas, but originally we were from the Bay Area in California. Nice. And I'm from Dallas, Pennsylvania, which, you know, every time I say, oh, I'm from Dallas, I usually get the Dallas, Texas of it all. But um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I think, like I said, your your career, you got involved in real estate and real estate investing in 2016. Would you mind sharing how that, you know, transition into investing sort of happened for you? What inspired it? And um, I guess just how it's gotten you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, the long short of it is when I was first graduating from college, um, I worked for a large defense contracting company. And I thought this was going to be great. Like I could work here for the rest of my life. People were talking about retirement benefits, all that stuff. But the problem came when I started talking to my older colleagues who were maybe 30 years older than me, basically my dad's age, and telling me how miserable they were financially. And I was thinking like, wait, I thought engineers made a lot of money, but apparently not enough to actually live your true life, right? They couldn't buy a house within 30 minutes of the job site. 
Um, they couldn't just go on vacation whenever they wanted to. They were sometimes miffed about um, how much raises they were getting or how they got skipped over by promotions. So I realized from a very early age that I couldn't rely on a company to just support me financially. If I want to do big things, I had to do things on my own. And I actually tried several different ventures, right? I tried to create a small startup company with my friends. I tried to sell some products on like Amazon. But those ideas didn't actually go through. And then I stumbled onto real estate investing. And just the concept of it made a lot of sense to me because I found that you could buy a property 20% down and have the rents cover all of your expenses and give you passive cash flow. So then it was only a matter of, okay, how many of these do I need to buy to therefore become financially free? And even though I was interested in this in 2012, it took me a few years of like learning, talking to more people, saving, building my credit score before I was actually able to you know, go in there and start buying my own rental properties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was mentioning this to you sort of before we hopped on, but, uh, you know, starting your career in real estate investing in 2016, you know, you're doing that for a few years. And then of course, in 2020, we have the pandemic hit us, right? So during the pandemic, I feel like we had, you know, a big boom for, for real estate. You know, people were, people in cities were moving to the suburbs, moving to different states. You had a lot of people investing in property. Um, maybe you had, you know, home makeovers in the sense where people were buying those fixer uppers and, you know, had the time to really invest in those properties and, 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 you know, making something new and refined. But I, I would love to get your perspective on sort of where we're at now with the real estate market, because, uh, you know, as we were discussing interest rates are, are very high, Um, You know, people are running into issues with mortgages and uh, we went from a buyer's market to like, I mean, from my perspective, it looks like very much a struggling market. So how have you been maneuvering around that? What are some of the issues you've been facing and what do you think the future looks like from, you know, your perspective? Yeah, I get this question a lot, actually, Um, especially from people who want to start buying real estate right now because they're like, well, is it a good time to buy? You know, my answer to that is. I think it's always a good time to buy if you're able to buy the right properties. So does it make sense to buy the same properties that were performing really well in the past, but now are not so good? Maybe not. Like maybe you need to look at different markets. Um, at the end of the day, the beauty of real estate is a lot of it is just like a mathematical number. So if the numbers still work out, then yeah, it's still worth it to buy the property. Um, you mentioned that interest rates are high. So maybe that means that you don't get as big of a loan as you would normally, right? Maybe you need to save more, put more down for a down payment. You know, in the case of my wife and myself, we actually bought a few properties recently in all cash because we know that like rates are higher. Like we don't necessarily need the cash right now. So we're okay with putting that money down um, out of our own pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just the long short of it is your strategy may change and interest rates are higher. Yes. But only relative to what they have been the past few years. They're still not like at all time, all time highs that we saw in the eighties. So again, it really depends on your strategy and where you're buying. And I'd love to get your perspective um, on sort of the rental versus the buyer market. Um, You know, I'm so I'm 25. I'm at the age where, you know, I'm still in the rental stage of my life. But I think for a lot of people in and around, you know, that age bracket, I feel like buying, it seems you know, depending on everybody's certain situation, but I feel like generally speaking, it seems like buying is just getting harder and harder these days. Um, what is your sort of advice for individuals in the, that situation? Um, you know, what's maybe your optimistic outlook on how people can, you know, 
get to the stage in life where they can buy, um, you know, versus keep renting. Um, what's, I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. That's a big question as well. I remember when I was 25 years old, I had the same thing. With my dad, I was like, dad, I'm going to rent forever because, um, you know, I was reading a lot of books. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and they were saying that the benefit of renting is that you are more flexible. You know, your rent is the most you're going to pay because if there's any uh, repairs that are needed, the landlord pays for it, right? You usually pay your rent and utilities and you're good to go. Whereas as a landlord, you have your mortgage, you have property taxes, you have other expenses that may come about. Um, but again, the beauty of buying a property is that you get all of the gains. Um, so even though you're only buying it with 20% of your own money down, any of the gains from appreciation, any of the rental income comes, you get 100% of that. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think you need to be in a certain financial position to be able to like afford a property and be able to sleep well at night. I have seen some people who stretch their entire budget just to buy a property because they want to be a homeowner, right? And achieve the American dream. But when you do that, you create a lot of stress on yourself. And like, you know, it doesn't, it's not a comfortable lifestyle. Um, so, I mean, again, I think there is really no rush. Like you don't need to rush things to just try to make something happen ASAP. Take your time with it. Make sure you have a very solid plan. And then eventually you can like buy a property. Um, I think, you know, buying property in the end is going to be better off than renting for the rest of your life. But again, different structure, different folks, right? I know multimillionaires who love renting properties. I also know people who don't even make $100,000 who love buying and owning assets because that's what they prefer. And like, that's the beauty of personal finance, right? It's personal. It's whatever mm -hmm. like you want in your life. And so for you know, me and my wife, we love buying properties and holding on to them. Like we, I don't think we've sold a rental property yet. All the properties that I've sold have been flips, like designated properties I knew I was going to sell. Wow. Yeah. But all the ones that we wanted to hold on to, we just try our best to hold on to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you clearly have a knack for this. I mean, you've been doing it for quite some time now. And I think when looking, you know, talking about sort of a rental versus buyer market, and, you know, you said it yourself, sort of having the funds in order to buy, right? How do you get to that stage where you have the funds to buy? Um, you, you know, I was watching, you're all over social media, you know, you have your, you know, your YouTube page, your social media pages, and you share a lot of videos on the tips and tricks on how to get to that point where you're ready to buy, you're ready to invest in a property. And I think one of the things that I picked up is that you said, you know, try and have, if you really want to invest and, you know, earn that, if you're investing in properties and you want to earn sort of that income through investing and you want to buy a property, you really have to have, I believe you said around like 20,000. Um, and you said in order to get to that point, you know, if you want to invest in real estate, you gave the advice of try investing in the stock market. So how is that sort of how you first began for you getting involved in real estate? Was it investing in stocks? Um, I'd love to hear sort of that journey and, uh, yeah. you know, how that like played an impact on your sort of your role with real estate. Absolutely. So like I mentioned earlier, you know, I was interested in getting out of the corporate world since I was 21 years old, 21, 22. And I knew that I didn't have 20% down, right? I just don't have it. Um, but I knew that I could, I could get it if I could save enough money. If I could invest the money that I saved and have it grow at a certain rate, um, that could get it as well. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a very passive investor. So you're not going to see me day trading stocks or doing some crazy crypto plays, right? Buying GameStop, hoping it goes to the moon. I, I usually buy very stable funds. So just typical index funds, see how the market goes, grows as a whole, or buying some like, you know, large cap um, blue chip stocks like Apple and Google, all that stuff. Um, because like, I, again, I'm not trying to grow my money ASAP. I'm trying to grow them slowly and steadily. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like 
I knew like how much I need to save to buy whatever property I wanted to get, whatever my down payment was, my closing costs, et cetera. Um, and so I broke that down into, you know, one year goals, one month goals. What does that look like? How much I have to save? And assume me, it'll grow at, you know, six to 8% a year. Um, I just happened to be very lucky and I invested around 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. And that's when the market was really recovering from like, you know, the, the great financial cri- or crash or like that. Um, so yeah, my money happened to grow pretty well during that time. And I was able to then parlay that into real estate once my net worth grew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, for me, I'm like the first to admit, like when it comes to the crypto sort of world we live in, all these different things people are investing their money in. I am definitely not the first person to understand it. It's really new to me, um, but it seems to be the way in which the world is growing. But as you said, um, you know, obviously there's so many companies you could start investing in. Um, I'd love to know sort of just your, you know, for anyone out there, myself included in this bracket, uh, what are sort of resources, um, whether they be publications, uh, individuals that, you know, you sort of look up to for your, you know, for your um, questions that you have, your inspiration on, you know, what market's really trending right now, what's worth investing in. Um, I'd love to sort of know what that is for you because, uh, yeah, like I said, for me, I know for, like I said, with crypto, for example, like I know nothing about that. Um, and I, I think that with the world we have with social media right now, and just looking at your presence and how that has grown, I'd love to know if there's sort of anyone out there that, you know, you really look to, if there's certain publications that you go for your information and to just see like, what's really, I guess, like what market's really hot right now. Sure. I mean, Again, I don't really do very trendy investments, so I'm not really looking at the like the next big thing. If I were to just guess, I would say AI is definitely the next big thing. So any company involved in AI, which is basically all the big tech companies now, go look mm-hmm. into those. Um, when I was first getting started, though, I remember reading a book called The Millionaire Teacher. That book really spoke to me because this this was a guy making you know around forty thousand dollars a year, but still being able to become a millionaire, retire, and live his like dream life within a very like short period of time. And so he was talking about investing in the index funds. Um, long story short, you can go on Vanguard or any like major uh, like you know, brokerage or trade platform, and they'll probably have their own like index funds that you can invest in. These are just a conglomerate of like hundreds of different companies all into one package. So you don't have to go pick uh, your own portfolio, just buy the index fund, and it should grow at a pretty stable rate over time. Um, you know, that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. Then later on, I ventured into YouTube. There are many, many amazing creators on YouTube who are creating content. But one of the pers- like one of the people that I really watched back in the day was Scott Galloway. I don't think he makes YouTube videos anymore, but he had this book called, I think it was called The Four or The Big Four, something like that. And he's basically talking about these four companies that have the quote unquote Benjamin Button disease. Mm-hmm. Like as time goes on, these companies get better and stronger. And that's like, you know, like Meta, um, what, like Alphabet, like Google. Um, et cetera, because these companies are based on AI. So as they get more data, as they learn more things, they do get stronger and better. And yeah, those companies have done pretty well since I bought those, uh, bought those stocks a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, like you put it, I think investing in real estate, it can seem, I mean, for, for someone like me, it can seem like a very, you know, very scary thing, or maybe you have that sort of, um, what do you call it? Where you just, you don't think something is for you, where you don't think that you're able to do it and you kind of like self-doubt, right? Um, But I think, you know, what you've said about investing in the stock market and sort of building that revenue over time, slow but steady, like you said, you 
can get to that point where you can invest in real estate. So I guess, you know, for those who are there and maybe looking at, you know, buying their first rentals, you've given a lot of your tips and tricks in the past on, on this, on that first rental purchase and, you know, getting that property. I'd love to go over some of the the pointers you've given yourself. Um, So you said for, you know, anyone looking at investing, building their investor profile and, you know, buying their first rental, the first thing, uh, some of the first things you really want to do or determine your location and determine the type of property you want. Why are those things so important right off the get-go? For sure. I mean, even if investing just in this one country, right? United States, where are you going to invest? There are thousands of cities out there. How do you know if it's a good market or a bad market? And you can invest in a place where the property seems like a good number, the rent seem great, but then what if there are no property managers around? Then who's going to manage the property for you? What if there are no good contractors around? If there's a problem with the property, are you going to go fix it yourself? Right. So location is very important um, because you want to make sure you're buying an area that has room for growth. If people are consistently like leaving the area, then you may not be able to have a tenant that can rent the property out for you. If no one's moving the area, then the value may drop, right? And you're not going to be able to sell it for what you even bought it for. Um, and you can't change location, right? If you can make this house an amazing, beautiful mansion, but if the market's not there, then it's not worth the time. So location is number one, most important. Um, number two is actually your team. Mm-hmm. For me, like real estate investing is a completely, it's a huge team game. So I believe that you need to have like a good property manager, uh, a good agent, and a good like lender, someone that can help you with your needs as you grow your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I guess for you, you know, talking about sort of location, developing what area you want to invest in, for you, you have, you know, a number of different properties that um, just over the past few years that you've been investing in. For you, what's that, what's markets, what areas are, you know, really catching your eye maybe as of lately? What are the type of areas that you typically invest in? Um, I'd love to hear just sort of, I guess, like what sort of makes you tick, what areas get you really excited and, you know, really catch your eye uh, to invest in. Sure. So I'm going to tell you right now, like, I don't tell the exact cities just because I don't want mm-hmm. like everyone's forming on wherever we invest in. But in general, I think if you're ver- first getting started and you have no idea where to invest, you can just take the easy route. There are thousands of articles of like top 10 cities to invest in. Just look at the ones that show up like most often in these top 10 lists. And then you're going to have a good shot of getting a property that will do well in those areas. The only downside with that strategy is that everyone else is also seeing those lists. So you're going to have a lot of competition and you may be buying a property for a higher price than you want. Like on the flip side though, if you do your own research, it is harder. There's going to be less people in it. So you may be a little scarier to like jump in the market, but uh, I like it because again, I, less competition means I can buy properties and not have to fight and bid like mm-hmm. crazy numbers just to compete. Um, again, in general, we go on websites like citydata.com, department of numbers. You can even use the census data. And what we do is we look at markets that are growing in population. We're looking at markets that have increased job growth over the last few years. Um you know, and again, just because one year the numbers are dropped down or something like that, it's not a big deal because we're looking at overall trends. Like over the last 20 years, are people moving to the city or not? Are jobs being created in the city or not? Um, so yeah, those are the two main factors, right? Are people going there? Is this a place that I would like to travel to as well, right? Like if it's a, in some nowhere area, then it's not beneficial for me either because then I will not want to travel to go visit my properties. But now for those properties I do have in interesting areas, those are tax write-offs for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of things to consider, but those are some of the main factors. 
Yeah. I think like we, you know, we talked about the pandemic even earlier. I think during the pandemic, it's been really interesting to see how the impact of that resulted in, you know, we talked about not just people, you know, making new buys, moving, but the physical change of location for so many different people. I mean, I know families that have moved down South. Um, I know people that moved out like cross country, right? And I think seeing which cities, I mean, I know Nashville had a big boom. Um, I know down in Texas, there was a big boom, you know, cities like San Antonio, Dallas, like a lot of people, you know, moved to these uh, more Southern cities along the coast of Charleston. Um, It's been really interesting. I think just from my perspective, not even an expert, just to sort of watch that, you know, transition of, you know, what cities having been somebody who lived in New York, uh, you know, a city that was really thriving to see the decline in New York and and properties in New York during the pandemic, but then to see the boom of, you know, certain Southern cities and stuff really, you know, get an uptick of residents and uptick of movers. Really interesting. Um, you know, you brought up property management too, and having a property management team and why that's really important. Um, I'd love to talk about like how you find a great agent as well. Cause I know that's super important when you're getting a property and then you want to get that property out in the market without giving away all of your secrets. What do you look for in a good agent? And, you know, for anybody interested, like I said, in investing in their first property, like what advice would you get, give to them in terms of selecting and partnering with an agent? Sure. Well, first of all, I recognize that, um, just because someone's an agent doesn't necessarily mean they're an expert. And just because they're a, an agent who's been working for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that they know what you are particularly looking for. Um, so I mean by that is a lot of agents are great at helping you find your your dream home. Like they're going to talk about the emotions involved in this home, like when the school district and all that stuff. But as an investor, honestly, I don't care if this has an amazing view or not because I want to make sure that it's a good location that can generate good rents. Like, can our agent do that kind of analysis for me? Maybe, maybe not. Um, in general, like our agents have been very good at helping me like explain a location to me. Cause like, if I'm going to a new market and I don't know the area, they should be able to tell me, all right, this is the area um, where like certain jobs are. Here's an area that's close to trending things, stuff like that. Like they didn't be able to introduce me to these things. And uh, again, because I got maybe from, we're from California, we like things done quickly. We like uh, fast response times. So I appreciate that as well, being able to communicate with them very openly. Um, this agent also should have enough experience to know what they're doing. Because sometimes if you're brand new, you don't know like, oops, I forgot to do this uh, declaration. I forgot to send you this kind of paperwork. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's a partnership, right? So you want to make sure you, you're working with someone who you can relate to, who you can jive with, who you wouldn't mind hanging out with on a, on a regular basis. Um, those have been our most successful partnerships, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it on the, on the podcast in the past. Uh, we actually had, um, you know, earlier this season, we had some, uh, interior designers on and I was talking to them about sort of their involvement in, you know, the staging process. And when it comes to designing a space and when it comes to real estate, like I said, staging a space, um, and, you know, just with, I think the rise of certain real estate shows, I mean, just on cable and now on streaming on Netflix, they have a number of real estate shows. And I feel like people have gotten sort of a, a little bit of a realistic view into the real estate market through, you know, looking at these agencies. But again, it's obviously such an extreme and reality TV is reality TV at the end of the day. 
But I think that's so important too, is having a good agent who's going to represent, you know, your property at the end of the day and sort of represent you. Like you said, you're building that sort of investment portfolio. And when you're, you know, bringing on multiple, multiple properties, you want to make sure that you have a really good agent, like representing you in that property. So I, I found that really interesting as well as part of your, you know, the steps, all the different steps you've listed. Um, one of the others you've talked about in the past is closing on the property and making sure you're doing follow-ups. And I, that, to me really caught my eye because, you know, you would think like once you're, you know, closing on the property, everything's sort of done. Right. But it's not. And I'd love to, you know, sort of hear more about why that is and why it's really important to follow up, uh, even after, you know, deal is done. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of situations where, like you said, you think a deal is done, but then there are minor things here and there that may have not been disclosed or like, I don't know how to explain it. Like you buy a property, as an investor, sometimes you have to do it sight unseen, or you do it knowing that there are some issues with it. So then you need to bring your, your crew in there to fix it again, right? Make it rent ready for the tenant to actually come inside. Um, lately, all, almost all of our projects have been basically, not teardowns, but like we're basically going down to the studs and redoing it. Um, so that requires another three months or so of construction work. And it's money out of our pockets. But again, that's our business model. Like we enjoy that. Um, but I think if you are brand new to buying real estate, um, again, this is something that your agent should probably help you out with mm -hmm. to like show you like, okay, here, or maybe I should get an inspector, right? You get an inspector to come inside, tell you what's you know, quote unquote wrong with the property. Then you can make a decision if you want to proceed or not. If you proceed in the back of your head, you should think, okay, I need to budget a certain amount of money to make these repairs. Um, so you call a contractor, ask them what the, what the quote is, and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know, one of the things that, you know, like I said, never never invest in another property. Um, but I think, you know, as you pointed out in the beginning of this, it's, you know, really I, I think it's becoming I'm seeing more and more people now getting interested in doing that. And I think following these steps and and seeing how, you know, how to do it su successfully is uh to me i just found it really interesting um and i'd love to know too when it comes to doing those follow-ups you know you talked about just making sure the management team is doing their job in general um and i guess looking at all of the you know properties you've been investing in over the years has there ever been an issue where something has really gone wrong and that i know you said there have been times where deals you know you think it's getting close to where it's done and you know they have fallen through has there been a time where there's been just i mean it doesn't even have to be in the sort of end of the process it could be during the process too but has there been a time in your you know investing in properties where you've really come across a challenge and then how did you you know work your way around that uh, of course like i think when you do any kind of business you're always going to have some kind of challenge that's either going to result in time loss or financial losses um i know recently we invested in a property and, and this is totally my fault but i didn't do my due diligence on the contractor that we hired um i just happened to find them on site, they were actually there scoping out the project for another investor who was also on the deal. And since we were breaking into the new market, like we didn't have a whole team set up yet. And this guy talked a really great game. You know, he gave me a lot of confidence that he could get the job done on time and on a really, really good budget. Um, but again, it was my bad. I should have done more due diligence. I should have called his references. I should have seen pictures of his work. Because I didn't do any of these things. When we got slapped, then of course, that's mm -hmm. our bad. Basically, he would just say, okay, you know, uh, we're working on it. I come back two weeks later, 
the house looks maybe 1% different. Right. Okay, what's going on? Yeah, we had some setbacks and then we're going to get to it. It'll be done in another three more weeks. Of course, three more weeks go by, nothing gets done. So it took us a while. And actually, my, my biggest mistake was not firing him earlier, right? Uh, I think I'm a very soft-hearted person. So I have a hard time having confrontations with people, especially on our staff. So to have to let him go was very difficult. Um, now, luckily, we were able to salvage that project and have someone else come in and do the renovations. But yeah, that time was lost. And because this other person uh, did a poor job for what he did do, we had to redo all that work as well, which made extra costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, my lesson learned there was we vet. So now before I thought, oh, like you don't need to you know, be so hard on these people. Like, you don't need to like grill them, ask for references, all that stuff's unnecessary. Actually, it's very necessary. If you haven't worked with someone before, call their references. I think people who do really good work will be very, very happy to give you those references because they want to show off, you know, their projects and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, like I said, with a lot of people interested in investing and, you know, just hearing you talk about those like lessons you've learned there, um, what do you think, you know, for people who are going to sort of take this on and who are stepping into this world of investing in real estate, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you've found with people that are stepping into this market, this industry and wanting to get involved? What are some of those big misconceptions that you think people, you know, sort of enter in with? Hmm. It's hard to say, like, I think there's two sides of the coin. There's people who don't believe in themselves enough and they never get started. And then there are people who believe too much in themselves. They think they're like super talented and, you know, they're going to do amazing things. I fell victim to that as well. Like I was flipping houses in 2017, made hundreds of thousands of dollars on one flip. I thought, dude, I'm, I'm like the best. I'm going to crush on every deal I did, did a few more deals and then lost a lot of money. So, um, you know, I didn't mention this early in the podcast, but I was actually a hard money lender for a few years. So mm-hmm. what that means is we do loans specifically for real estate investors. And a lot of my clients, this is again, when you're mentioning the 2020s, 2021, the market was very, very hot. So all of my clients during that time, they were making a ton of money and they were happy to use me over and over again. Now the problem came around last year, 2022, around March timeframe, when the rates started to go high, they're like, oh, but you know, I made 50 grand last time. I'm for sure going to make way more money this time. And then they would buy multiple properties all at the same time with these very high interest rate loans. And then the market turned on them. Mm-hmm. And then they call me now and they're like, Sean, I need an extension or like, Sean, what can we do? Like, I don't know what's going on. I did everything I did last time, but it's not working out. So, you know, I guess those are two misconceptions, right? Like either they're too scared. They don't take any action, which is bad because you, you know, you kind of have to do this over time. Mm-hmm. But the other bad thing is when you go too hard before you're really ready, before your systems are already in check, and then you lose everything that you built so far. Right. Yeah, it's it's tough. And and like you said, that shakeup with the economy, I mean, it, I'm sure it really obviously rocked things with, uh, you know, the work that you're doing and the work for those, especially entering at that time, entering into it at that time. Um, it had to have been scary. And I know a lot of people that, you know, bought right around when that was going on and it really sucked, right? Because mm-hmm. it was just no one could have really predicted it. Um, and then it happened. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were in that kind of, you know, rock in between a rock and a hard place. Um, but you know, you and your wife, actually you have your, we love real estate, uh, podcast that you run and your, you and your wife actually have done episodes in the past and you brought up flipping properties. And that's the one thing I wanted to bring up is that, uh, the episode I'm referencing that you and your wife both, uh, talked about a property. I think it was like a moldy property that you flipped and you got about 
238 grand in in return from it, which is remarkable. Out of all the different properties that you flipped um, just throughout your time in, in, in this, what has been your favorite? What's been the one that really, whether it taught, you know, taught you something you took away from it um, or that was just truly, re- really fun? Yeah. So I'll clarify you on that one. We actually didn't flip that one because that one's a rental property that okay. we just renovated completely. Um, and now we just rent it out full time to a tenant. Um, nice. So, I mean, I feel like the cool thing about real estate is that everyone is unique. Every deal is different. So every deal has their own stories attached to it. <clears throat> I would say like my favorite flip, quote unquote, was my first flip because I made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Everything went super smoothly and no issues, right? We sold it for, I think I was trying to sell it for 1.2 and I'm selling for 1.4. So I just got $200,000 out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So that was that was amazing. Um, the Molly House one, like you mentioned, that was a cool deal because uh, you know, I, we bought it with cash at first mm-hmm. and then we got a private money loan from my in-laws to fund the renovations. Um, we didn't necessarily need the money, but we wanted to involve our family in some way. And then when six months were up, we were able to refinance the property at its new appraised value, which basically gave us back all of the money we put in and then another 30,000 tax-free um, because of the loan, right? You don't pay tax right. on loans. And then the mortgage covers all of our expenses on that property. Mm-hmm. So in, in essence, we now have a rental property that we bought for free. Like none of our own money is in that deal. It's done. Like, and we have a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, re- a very fun one to do. Uh, also during that time, I think every deal you do, you get better at real estate. Like all the fears you have about the unknowns slowly start to fade away because you learn more and more and more. Right. Um, so now we feel very confident in doing these renovations. That's why we are buying more properties like that one that are just really disgusting. You tear them to the studs and then you rebuild up. And every time you do that, you learn more about how the process is done. Um, so we're even doing one right now about 15 minutes away from our personal home in Dallas, where we basically tore to the studs. We're planning everything out. And so far it's looking pretty amazing. So pretty happy with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, every story is different and everyone has their own unique challenges and, and cool things to talk about. Yeah. I personally really love seeing properties being flipped and sort of, as you talked about seeing that evolution of a property and, you know, that reward that comes through as a result of it. Right. Um, I, I think it's just, there's so many shows out there now about it, but I think in sort of coinciding with that, there's so many people now getting involved in it. Same thing. Like I talked about just investing in real estate in general, so many people every now and then I'll come across somebody and they're talking about a property they flipped. And I, I think that, um, you know, we talked about earlier that, anyone getting involved and what resources to look towards, you named a bunch, Uh, but then you yourself, you're also, you know, you're also sort of everywhere. You have your platform online, everything REI. Uh, You have your own social media page. Your Instagram page is thriving and the content you're putting out there. I love everybody who gets sort of these really, um, you know, the educational real videos and putting a bunch of information in these really concise videos. I think they're so easy to follow along and really interactive. And uh, you do all that education on your end. Um, what's been the most rewarding part about that for you to sort of help those that are stepping into this industry? Um, what have you enjoyed by, you know, getting involved in social media and sort of building up that presence? Yeah. I mean, it's like you mentioned, the ability to help people at scale is very rewarding. Because now we can go to like a random meetup event and people will say, hey, I watched your content or like, hey, I actually 
bought a few properties based on your course. And I was like, wow, that's like, it's really cool to hear that those stories in person. Um, you know, now we're actually speaking at a couple of conferences. So we're going to speak at two of them in the next few weeks. Um, again, just sharing our story, helping to motivate people to get financially free through real estate investing. Um, really, that's it. Because when I was first getting started with real estate investing and I achieved that fast success, it was really cool, but it left me feeling a little bit empty inside because who won from this transaction? The seller, the seller made decent money from selling their property. The contractor made what they agreed on. Same with the agent. He made a small commission. Mm-hmm. I made all the gain. But then how else do I help society? Right. It doesn't really feel like that amazing, that impactful. So by creating content and being able to share it with the world and having these people then become their own, like their own person, and they come back to me and tell me how I impacted their life, it is very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was plugging some of your pages before, but for those who want to get involved and learn more about, you know, how to invest in real estate and learn just more about you, where can they do that? And, you know, you brought up events too, like, um, you know, how can they get involved? How can they learn more from you and about the market? Sure. I mean, we're most prevalent on our YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok handles, which is at Sean Loves Real Estate. My wife and I have also created a co-brand called the Good Sweet Homes, which is a combination of our Chinese names that created that name. Um, so yeah, Good Sweet Homes has all of our educational content on there. And then if you want, again, the short side stuff, Instagram and TikTok would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Great. And I also, I'm just sort of thinking of this as we were talking, because last week I was watching a really great film. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Have you seen The Banker by chance with uh, Sam L. Jackson? I really recommend it. Um, and it's interesting because it has to do with, you know, investing in real estate, but it's based on a true story. And it's about, you know, two uh, African-American men who invested in properties in California in traditionally white owned neighborhoods and, you know, built them or, you know, flipped these properties and started renting to African-Americans. And it was a really interesting story. Um, really, I think really powerful. And I, I'm like ashamed that I haven't heard, you know, enough people talking about it because it's really interesting. And I think, you know, you know, anyone who's interested in learning more about the market, but just the history of real estate investment too, I think I really recommend checking it out. Um, and if, yeah, if you where, where is that? It's on Netflix or it's on Apple. It's on Apple. Got it. And I, yeah, I just watched it last week and obviously it was ahead of our call. And I just thought this is so interesting too, to see, you know, a film about, you know, real estate and just, you know, also social issues as well. But um, sort of the history of it and the, you know, cultural and and social impacts of these two, you know, men who really paved the way, uh, you know, for real estate properties in in California. Um, But like I mentioned too, you know, you have all your pages and and you drop those there and I'll make sure all of those are linked up in this episode's description. But uh, before we wrap, Sean, I'd love to ask, you know, with this being handling it, I always sort of ask with you know, your career, given your career and what you've learned and taken away from it, or just given your life in general, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned along the way that's really helped you handle your life? Hmm. Well, I guess in general, um, I would say like, if you want to accomplish something, discipline is probably the most important character trait that you need to have because it'll keep you accountable to yourself. I think when you're starting your own business, um, a lot of people think that a lot of things they do is optional, right? Like they do their job as mandatory and then their side business is optional. But if you have a dream and you really need to accomplish it, you need to have the self-discipline to 
take that side job like very, very seriously as well, because eventually that side job will make more than your main job. And you can leave that main job to focus on your business full time. So yeah, for me, when I was in my early twenties, I was probably one of the most disciplined people that, you know, now that I'm semi-retired, I'm probably one of the least disciplined people that you know. <laughs> so it, it all depends on what you're looking for and what you're trying to do. Right. And with investing, I mean, you're sort of your own boss in that department, right? You're the one calling the shots, you're making the decisions and obviously working with, you know, a bunch of different people in the process um, and being disciplined and like sticking to your commitments and, you know, not really not slacking off, right? It's that's so important. And I've seen it just with, you know, my side hustle with podcasting, right? Um, it's something that I have to stay on top of and uh, you can't really slack off. Um, especially, you know, like you said, if you have places you want to get to and you have a bar you want to hit, discipline is so important and necessary for that. Yep. But yeah, Sean, well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. I feel like I knew I was going to come into this learning so much, um, but I can you know, definitely say I took so much away from this and I'm excited to keep following along with all your stuff online and learning more, continuing to learn more about the market. And, you know, maybe one day, like who knows, like I'll invest in a property of my own. Um, and I think so many people are able to do that though, because of individuals like you who are out there, you know, putting out information, educating individuals and, you know, just doing it all online and making it so accessible for people. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, everybody, I hope you all liked hearing from Sean and his journey and advice for investing in real estate. If you'd like to learn even more about investing, I've included the handles to all of Sean's social media platforms in the episode description so that you can follow along. Thank you to Sean so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then... Keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.